We turn this morning to Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. Matthew 7, 7 to 12 this morning. Verse 12 being the familiar golden rule. Matthew 7, 7 to 12. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom, if his son ask bread, will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil or sinful, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Father, there is a sense of uh, angst in my soul this morning as we approach the text because it is very familiar and therefore many people think they know and understand what it is that Jesus is talking about. And really, upon the study of your word, it is very clear they don't. And so we pray today that you would help us as we deal with an interesting section of the word of God, ending with a rule as called in the world, do good to others as you'd have them do good to you. It's called golden rule, as designated among men. And yet, it really is dealing with the truth of relationships that I suppose could be described as gold. The gold relationship with you as our God and golden relationships with others governed by godly discrimination and love. And so we pray that you'd help us today to see that which is clearly in the text, divorcing our minds from the common fodder concerning the text, and seeing with opened eyes of thy spirit the truth of King Jesus as it is presented. Thank you for the opportunity. We ask your blessing upon us in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake. Amen. Everyone desires to be treated fairly. Unless, of course, they can be treated with advantage. Think about that. Everyone desires to be treated fairly. Unless, of course, they can be treated with advantage. The maximum commonly referenced 
as the golden rule, verse 12, is reflected broadly in many spheres of modern culture and society. Thus, many commentators work, as I believe they should, to make the words of our Lord here distinct from the very similar things that were said before him in historical points of time, as well as by some of his contemporaries. For instance, the Roman Seneca has a statement about treating others as you would like to be treated that is very close to what the Lord says here, and of course is contemporary, or from that same period of human history. And then, if you really get chasing the thing down, you'll find that 500 years before Jesus said what he said in Matthew 7, 12, Confucius, the Chinese dude, recorded saying something very similar to what the Lord Jesus Christ says here. In fact, this basic maxim, this basic moral maxim about the aspect of relations on earth among men has been repeated and repeated uh, again and again and again over many, many uh, generations. Even godly people, I should say godless people, understand the basic concept that one's personal liberty uh, ought to be, in fairness, restricted uh, by consideration of liberty and justice for others. Uh, the moral maxim called the golden rule is embraced by the vast majority of all civilization. And it's embraced because it just makes good common sense. Add to this the fact that the golden rule is the commercial key to production and business. I first confronted the golden rule, not in the pages of the Bible, but while working at the golden arches. Golden rule, golden arches. I'm telling you, they go together. The whole idea of customer service flows out of this very kind of very human maxim uh, treat people the way that you'd want to be treated, and, uh, and guess what? They'll, they'll shop at your shop, and they'll buy things in your store. Uh, when thinking about this familiar rule, I was struck again with the utter nonsense of denying it. Uh, there is no rationale for living a life treating others badly and expecting that they will treat you well. I was gripped with a common sense that is reflected in this rule, even as nations and corporations embrace it. And so then the question is, is that what Jesus was talking about? No. There isn't the words here, what we might call a Boy Scout or kids soccer team level of understanding that boils down to treat others as you would like to be treated. But I would submit to you this morning that that is not what Jesus is saying here. 
The first word of the text in verse 12 is the word therefore, pointing us back to the subject of prayer. And without going too deep in the exegesis of that section, let me just rehearse that a little bit with you uh, with some uh, commentary along the way. Verse 7, ask and it shall be given you. Who are we talking about asking? Are we talking about asking your wife, your husband, your daughter, your son? Are we talking about asking your neighbor, your employee, or your employee, or employer? Are we talking about asking the neighbor? Ask, and it shall be given you. What are we talking about? Who are we asking? Well, the answer is God. Next phrase. Seek, and you shall find. Seek what? Seek bologna, seek burgers, seek bumblebees. What are you seeking? Whatever you want? No. In the context, you have been instructed by King Jesus as to what it is you are to seek. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You ask God. You seek God's kingdom and righteousness. You knock, and it shall be open unto you. Where are you knocking? On the bathroom door, on the bedroom door, on the kitchen door, on the church door, on the neighbor's door. No, you're knocking on heaven's door. And so if you take the interrogatives, ask, seek, and knock, you can ask who, what, and where. Ask who? God. Ask what? God's righteousness and kingdom. Ask where? Heaven's door. For everyone that re asketh receiveth from God, says verse 8. And he that seeketh findeth God's kingdom and righteousness. And to him that knocketh it shall be open, because he's gone to the throne room of heaven. And then it underscores the aspect of the kingdom citizen's relationship with God. It says, For what man is there of you, uh, of, you of whom, uh, if he ask his son bread, will he give him a stone? What's the answer? What's the answer? What's the answer? No! Next question. Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? What's the answer? No! If ye then, being sinful, if you as a sinful person, I'm like God who is not sinful but sinless, you being sinful, if you know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more your Father, the F is probably capitalized in your copy of the Scripture as it is rightly in mine, which is in heaven, give good gifts to them that ask him. Therefore, with that kind of prayer taking place regularly, perpetually, ongoing way in the context of a Christian's life, therefore, said Jesus, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law 
and the prophets. Question, do people need divine assistance in order to do as wanting to have done to them among men in society? No. No. Apparently, the Boy Scouts and the Youth Soccer League and the business community and the diplomats around the world are quite content to think they can do the golden rule without reference to prayer and seeking God's help. Why would they? Well, I submit because they don't have a clear understanding of what Jesus is talking about here. And then at the end of verse 12, the Lord... Lord makes a comment about how the rule is, this golden rule is, in some way, the summary of the Old Testament scriptures, both the law and the prophets. Jesus said, for this is the law and the prophets. I am struck with the fact that ahead in our study of Matthew way ahead, chapter 22, that we are going to confront a very similar thing said by Jesus when in dialogue with a pharmaceutical lawyer. Jesus on that occasion, as recorded in Matthew 22, said that the law and the prophets hang upon two commandments, namely, loving God and loving others as yourself. Do as you want done to yourself, Matthew 7, parallels love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew 22. Listen again to my opening statement. Everyone, it seems, desires to be treated fairly unless, of course, they can be treated to advantage. Whatever the sense of the golden rule, apart from Christ, is disturbed by one's own selfish motivation. I am doing right because I want people to do right to me. I want to be treated right, so I treat them right. That is a good human deal. I don't need God's help for that. But if, in fact, what Jesus is talking about here is to be connected rightly to love God and others as yourself, love God, commandments one through four, and others as yourself, commandments five to ten, which is a summary of the Old Testament law and preaching of the prophets. Well then, I'm telling you, I'm going to need God's help to love people as God loves them and seek their best interest as I would seek my own best interest before God our Lord. That's a whole different animal. And I'd suggest that's exactly what Jesus is talking about in this text. We want to digest the maxim of Jesus Christ in its connected sense uh, to the text and to the sermon, not in its epigram form, 
not in, in its printed out on a, on, a, on a card or a sticky note and stick it on the refrigerator. When you refuse to isolate the golden rule from its context, it takes on a whole new light. Christ's statement is so much more than the familiar, familiar things uh, that are said commonly in the world by many others. There is not an ounce of self-serve in the statement of the Lord Jesus. It transcends common sense of the community. It transcends the common sense of business. It is wonderfully and precisely connected relationally, first to God and then to my man. So much so that I have written in the margin of my Bible, golden rule, no. Golden relationships, yes. Golden rule, no. Golden relationships, yes. The golden rule is connected to the righteous living and serving as one on earth under God. The golden rule is connected to loving God and others as demanded under God's law. Thus, King Jesus connected the golden rule with the law and the prophets. The golden rule is connected with the Lord's prior emphasis upon righteous judgment and the necessity of relational discernment. We must judge others rightly if we are to be to them real help. Judges chapter, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 to 6. We must judge others rightly, for there are those who would be to us real harm, and harm to the truth. Judges, I keep saying it, because it's about judgment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Words B is correct to say that a person who practices the golden rule refuses to say anything, or to do anything that would harm himself or others before God. Such a one lives loving God and loving others as God does love. This emphasis is the fourth sermonic point of Messiah's manifesto. King Jesus first taught, Matthew 5, that God expects people to be perfectly righteous as he is righteous. And we know no man can do that apart from God. Secondly, God expects people to do righteously to perfection, saying, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Thirdly, God expects people to seek and keep seeking his perfect righteousness, along with his kingdom. And now fourthly, God expects people to extend his loving righteousness to others. As we have been careful to say all along the way in this study, the righteousness of God as demanded is not possible apart from his intervention and provision. And God's intervention and provision is Jesus Christ. Now, you can better appreciate why the Lord Jesus once again spoke here of prayer as the necessary link for all kingdom citizens, enabling them to discriminate in a godly fashion 
Matthew 7, 1 to 6, and to love, Matthew 7, 12. See it? See the structure? God's people, God's kingdom citizens are to discriminate after the godly sort, Matthew 7, 1 to 6. Therefore they pray, asking God, while they seek his kingdom and righteousness, knocking on the door of heaven in order to facilitate that righteous discrimination and therefore, therefore, verse 12, and to practice the love life as we are called in Christ Jesus. Prayer facilitates the kingdom life of godly discrimination and love. Let me say that again. Prayer facilitates the kingdom life of godly discrimination. There are people in this world, there are people that name the name of Christ that are phenomenally and spiritually gullible. Easily duped by every wind blowing here and there all over the place. Listen, the answer uh, to not be coming under the sway of uh, spiritual dupiness is to live a life of prayer. And then when it comes to facilitating the idea of living in this world the way that God would have you live in this world, if you try it on your own for a day, you'll know it's absolutely impossible. Living a life loving God and loving others before God is an impossible life unless God would help you. And the way that God helped you as a kingdom citizen is by uh, in relationship to your practice on prayer. We help ourselves and others by prayer, which facilitates the kingdom life of truth and the kingdom life of love. And then in that light, you can go back to verse 7, and we see that Jesus said, ask and keep asking. The verb tense of ask, the verb tense of seek, the verb tense of knock, does not mean a one-time activity, and you're done. No, it means that you ask and keep asking, you seek and keep seeking, that you knock and keep knocking. What in this context would we understand that we are to be asking for? The answer is wisdom, discernment, insight, and love. James says to his fellow believers, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask God. Wisdom, Lord, wisdom. For what to say and when to say it. Wisdom to navigate the complex relationships that are evident on this world. Lord, we have a relationship with you. And we need your help to do that. We need your help to walk with you in the light of your word. Oh, God, we need your help to be devotionally correct in this day. But more than that, when it comes to the people that are around us, whether they be in our family or in our neighborhood or in our church, oh, Lord, it's so complex. And there's such a, a godly need for discrimination, for discernment and judgment to be able to know and to understand and to relate to others correctly as you have called us to love, as you love. That's what you're asking for, wisdom. Wisdom to rightly judge and love others. 
Jesus said, seek and keep seeking. And what in this context would we be understanding that we would seek specifically? Yes, in the big context measure here, God's kingdom and his righteousness. But the answer in regards to uh, 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 Matthew 7, 12 has a little narrow focus upon God's interest in our lives and in the lives of others. What does it mean to love others as yourself before God? It means that the same things that you would look to God for, for your own sense of spiritual stability and maturity, are the very things that you seek by way of prayer in the life of others. It's not talking about five bucks for a goodie bag at Wendy's. It's talking about a life that is dedicated to seeking God's kingdom and righteousness. And that, that's how you pray for yourself. That your prayers are all not locked down to whatever dog is barking at you in the ebb and flow of circumstantial life. But that you are one delivered from your sins. You've moved from darkness to light. You have eternal life in Jesus Christ your Lord. And as a result of that, things that are higher, things that are nobler, things that are better and eternal, have a Lord your sight. Your eyes are on the heavenly, on the things that matter in eternity, on God's kingdom and true, perfect righteousness. And based upon that, you pray for yourself. And based upon that, you pray for for others. We are to seek God's interest in the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Prayer is absolutely necessary in the life of an individual and in the life of a local church. And of course, Jesus said, knock and keep knocking. Why keep knocking? The answer, because God has unlimited power and he can indeed open Closed hearts and minds. I recently heard from one of my loved ones when dealing with somebody that they love. My loved one said, Do you think that he is too far gone? And, of course, my answer, based upon the truth of Scripture and the magnitude of the heart of God, said, as long as there's breath, there's hope. No one is beyond the grace of God. And so, therefore, when I seek to obey this concept of loving God and loving each other, as I would love myself, I am uniquely looking at people based upon God's holy interest in their life. Pray and keep praying. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. For God can open and no man can shut. And when God shuts, no man can open. You and I are given the responsibility to pray. Back down to verse 12 again. Therefore, in light of all that, 
All things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. How is it that we who love the Lord really help others? We are discerning of our own problems. With God's help, we are discerning of our own problems first. Matthew 7, 1 to 6. And then we become discerning with God's help of other people. Not pushing them around or poking them unnecessarily, but praying for them and helping them to deal with the sin issues in their life, having confronted the issues in our own lives first and foremost. We are commanded by the king in summary to treat others well, solely on the basis of its truth in God, as God is right. When we extend to others out of selfless love for God, we represent faithfully the kingdom of heaven. That reminds me to say that only believers can obey the golden rule as set forth by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 7, 12. You might be able to uh, obey the golden rule as Confucius talked about it. You might be able to obey the golden rule as Seneca talked about it. Uh, you might be able to obey the golden rule as Dale Carnegie talked about it. You might be able to use uh, uh, and obey the golden rule as the golden arches talk about it. Uh, but you will not be able to obey uh, the golden rule as Jesus talked about it apart from prayer and constant prayer, constantly asking, constantly seeking, constantly knocking so that God facilitates your life before him in truth and grace one step at a time. Outside of Jesus Christ, you do not possess the righteousness of God's demand. Therefore, you cannot extend to others that which you do not possess. I cannot give to you what I have not received. Another related truth to that is you cannot teach what you do not know. If I said, glad you came this morning, I think there's a great need in America uh, for additional opportunities for people to be uh, helped health-wise, uh, with open-heart surgery, and I brought my jackknife with me this morning, and uh, I'd like everybody to come to the platform, and I'm going to show you how uh, to do open-heart surgery here uh, this morning. Here's what you should do, should I ever say that. Run! Get out of here. Don't come back. Don't worry about the offering. Don't worry about the invitation. Don't worry about anything. Just get out of here. You do not want me splitting somebody's chest open and cutting on their heart. Why? I don't know how to do that. So here's the thing I have to face on a Sunday morning. Is there anything I know today that's going to be of any help to you? And if not, I should shut up and sit down. Because you need help. And I need help today. And we need it from God. 
And we can't be wishy-washy, namby-pamby about it. We have to know and be sure in Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, when we know that what God expects of us is a righteousness, an alien righteousness that is not our own, oh, how it causes us to run to and cling to the perfect righteousness that is found in Jesus Christ. We preach a righteousness that is not our own. We extend to you the righteousness that we have received by faith in Jesus Christ. In this world, there is no such thing as a free offer. Right now, I'm, I'm mildly offended by the television commercial of Olive Garden. They talk about the fact that if I go there to eat, that they'll give me a, a free salad. And that if I go there, they'll give me free breadsticks. Well, listen, after you're done eating, you pay the bill. And the restaurant can call it free. But I guarantee you, there isn't anything free at Olive Garden. You and I know there is no such thing as a free offer. But I tell you the news from heaven, you and I offer freely what God himself has already paid for. In that God sent his beloved son to become sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in him. One of the commentators here in Matthew 7 says, our confidence in God is the only thing that makes it possible to treat others as they should be treated with eternal values in view. Listen, people don't need a hot dog, they need eternal life. People don't just need a cold drink of water. They need the water of life. Jesus is not talking about give somebody a, a, a zit cream to help their face. He's talking about being a representative of the grand gospel of truth of heaven and a representative of the things of God before men. The rule isn't golden. The relationship with God is golden. The relationship with people is golden as you depend upon the Lord. I commend to each of you here this morning the golden relationship with God through Jesus Christ and with others as God himself enables. God demands in people that which is true of him. He demands perfect righteousness. You do not possess it. You do not produce it. But you can receive it. You do not possess it. You do not produce it. But you can receive it by faith in Jesus Christ. And once you have received it, once you have received it, then you can extend it to others as you look to God in prayer. Remember that Jesus had gone up into a mountain to pray, and some of the really 
dedicated disciples were left at the foot of the mountain. And while Jesus was in the mountain praying, a dad came with his tormented son to the disciples at the foot of the mountain. He said, would you please help my boy? My son is undone. We can't do anything with him. Would you please help my boy? And the disciples at the foot of the mountain uh, tried, and uh, nothing worked. Jesus came down from the mountain, and the disciples said, uh, uh, we've, been, we've been waiting here uh, expectantly for you because it's been kind of awkward because the guy came, and he's still here, and we couldn't help him, and we were hoping that maybe he'd just, like, go away, but he didn't go away. He's still here. His kid's still here. Things are still out of control. We're not really sure to do, and, uh, and so uh, glad you're back. Glad you're back, Lord Jesus. Glad you're back. And, uh, and uh, Jesus approaches the dad, and uh, he deals with the son, and then after the episode is over and there's peace in the family and joy from the Lord, then the disciples said to the Lord, Lord, uh, we have really been active in serving you and we have accomplished some phenomenal things uh, in your name. And so, uh, and so, uh, and so uh, why uh, could we not do this? Do you remember the Lord's answer? Jesus said, This kind goeth forth only by prayer. And people mistake the text that the pronoun this refers to the really ugly, nasty, strong demon that was occupying the boy's life. No, Jesus was talking about all help on earth of the heavenly variety. You cannot serve God apart from constant prayer. The disciples on that day rested on their laurels. The disciples on that day at the foot of the mountain forgot to implement the one thing that made them fit for heavenly ministry. What was it? Prayer. And here, in Messiah's manifesto, he emphasizes the fact that nothing is possible of heavenly dimension apart from God's gift in Christ and living an earthly life of Prayer. All the promises of God are in Christ, yes and amen. We can meet the demand of God for righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ our Lord, and we can extend the righteousness of God to others, both saved and unsaved, by praying in Jesus' name. This is not about a golden rule. This is about a relationship that we may well call gold. A relationship first and foremost with God. 
and then relationships that flow out of that relationship along the lines of God's interest and heartbeat for others. Loving God, loving others as yourself before God. All made possible in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's why this month we're ending the worship hour week by week with that great Christological hymn, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. Father, help us to have our hearts and minds fixed upon the Lord Jesus and the blessedness of our relationship with you by him. Strengthen us in service to others as we look to you in prayer. And help us now to be a responsive people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.